Being an entrepreneur can be a lonely place. Most businesses don't even get past the first three years. So in this series, we're going to be talking to entrepreneurs that are high-performing or high-performing businesses that can help you with hints, tips and hacks to help you fast-forward your way to success. My name is Mark Burgess. I've got over 20 years experience working as an entrepreneur, building up various different businesses. I've wrote a best-selling book. I speak nationally and internationally at different conferences. And this is Raising Your Game. In today's episode of Raising Your Game, I speak to a lady called Rebecca Godfrey. Rebecca has worked with and for global brands. She's got a PhD from Cambridge University, and she now runs a company called Ethio Limited. And through using things like Lego and other creative means, she figures out how to get leaders to really empower their team and make awesome work. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Are you all right just to give everybody a bit of background on yourself and what it is you do? Yeah. So I'm a scientist by background. Um, started off um, as an academic research immunologist doing a PhD up in Cambridge of all places. And after a very short stint as a postdoctoral research fellow, I moved into the pharma industry and spent about 12 years there. And I've had the great pleasure of having roles ranging from company director of a small boutique consultancy, third in the door, building that up to about 15, um, to global head and global director roles at two of the top 10 pharma companies, where I was responsible for providing leadership to individuals and teams in more than 90 countries. Um, so a really kind of varied career, lived and worked abroad. And about a year and a half ago, I decided to take the leap because what I've always been so passionate about is how different people operate. You know, as I traveled around the world, different companies, um, everybody operates so differently. We make decisions differently, we communicate differently, we manage our teams differently. Um, but yet we still seem to work in one particular way. So I set up my business, which is a team and leadership strategic consultancy about a year and a half ago. And our aim is to help the highly regulated industries operate differently. So just to kind of disrupt it a little bit. And that's kind of through methodologies that I've looked, I've developed through looking at my successes, but also um, my failures, because I think we all have them. So yeah, <laughs> so that's a little bit about me. I've also heard that you use uh, Lego in some of your learning. Um, which sounds fun, but uh, how does that uh, how does that work? I mean, especially you, I imagine I'm kind of imagining highly regulated industries to be quite stuffy and all of that sort of stuff. So, what effect does it have on teams? I thought I'd invented this. Do you ever have that situation where you're like, I'm off to Dragon's Den, <laughs> yeah, I've made this invention, <laughs> and then someone's already done it. So I was actually cooking one day, and I was watching my seven-year-old and my husband, who normally have a fair deal of debate and discussion, um, playing Lego together, and they were just on the same level. My husband's quite introverted. My uh, seven-year-old is very extroverted. Don't know where he gets that from. Um, and they were just on the same level. They were communicating completely differently. And I thought this would be amazing to bring this in to teams. Looked it up and it turned out Lego had developed this 20 years ago. And it's something called Lego Serious Play. And it's an incredible idea generation tool as well as a communication tool. So we teach people how to use the bricks to represent their ideas. And it's great. It allows the introverts time to reflect as they build. It allows extroverts time to express themselves because 
we teach people to build their ideas and then everybody shares for the same amount of time. So when you've got a business problem, it's incredible where you can ask quite an open question and then everyone builds on their own. You don't know what anybody else's answer is when you're building it, which means that you're completely honest. You're not led by the leader or the loudest person in the group. And everyone shares back, so you get these completely different perspectives and a really holistic view on a business problem. And it's been incredible. The kinds of organizations I've worked with, from pharmaceuticals to engineering, um, financial organizations, where you've got some quite traditional organizations. You see folks walking in the room thinking, what on earth is like, it's because there's thousands of pieces of like, there's animals, there's jewels, there's money. Um, and within 20 minutes, people are fully bought into this. This is actually working. And the outputs are incredible. Last week in a workshop, um, one of the senior leaders said to me, we need to bottle this energy because everybody was so engaged and so committed to the end result because they'd all been heard. So it's, it's really fun. It, it sounds like a bit of a gimmick, but it's, it's just great to see people changing the way that they're working and working together and building that connection better. Uh, my my wife permanently says I'm on the same level as our uh, <laughs> small child, so um, I can see how that comes about. But yeah, I can see how how that would work. I mean, I guess ne having never done it, although um, I, I love the idea of it, I guess like how do people uh, just not end up building just a you know a block and then explaining it afterwards and just everyone's got a block but everyone's got a different story or is the model not really that important it's the fact that they can get the information out absolutely absolutely so so what we do at the beginning is we teach people how to use the lego as personal metaphors so if i was to ask my son to build a tiger he'd build something that had four legs and a body and a head or he would think it was and as his mum i'd say that it was amazing um, but i could just pick up an orange brick and say that's a tiger mm. but that orange brick could also mean business strategy. It could mean um, a particular um, behavior. Um, so that's what we teach people to do. And at the beginning, when you say that to people, they go, really, are you going to be able to do that? But it's incredible how, as I say, 20, 30 minutes in, people are fully into it because it kind of jumps past the conscious into the subconscious. And because it's fun and because it's a little bit different and because we time everything, there's a great momentum, there's loud music, people kind of forget where they are and they just throw themselves in. And we end up with very senior leaders having debates over a penguin <laughs> <laughs> because that penguin represents business development, for example. And, and I say to them, you know, when you look at the photographs afterwards, what you notice is a lot of smiles, a lot of laughs, but some really tangible outcomes. So afterwards, I've just finished a report this morning. It's a 41-page report on the workshop, which brings out all of the themes because I don't believe in fun at work. Um, I, to qualify that, I want you to have a good time at work. But if you're just going to go and have a laugh and all just have a bit of team bonding and have a laugh, but there's no real benefit to the individuals or to the business, let people go home half a day early and spend time with their loved ones. They'd rather do that. But if you can bring fun into the workplace and build momentum, build honesty, build creativity, build innovation, it's absolutely fantastic. And it's amazing how people are really welcoming of that, yeah. um, especially when they see the tangible outcomes afterwards. I'm guessing that the Lego aspect of it is just a way of kind of opening the door to a new way of thinking. Yes, absolutely. When I first started uh, running businesses, I was the typical kind of owner control freak type mm. person, whereby it started off with me just doing all of the tasks uh, because it was just me. And then as the business grew, I employed people to do the tasks that I had invented and they just did what I said. 
and it was me times 10 and they had no way of uh, thinking for themselves Mm. and then I'd get frustrated that they didn't think for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, gone are the days of command and control because not only are we going from, you know, if we look at kind of a small business owner, an entrepreneur, having to build that, you want to build the culture. You want to build the ethos and the direction of the company. But actually the how-to, there's going to be people out there that know better than you and I how to do the things that we started off doing. And I think that's lovely when a company grows. I remember when I was uh, building this consultancy, hiring people in and they did things differently to me. And it was a bit like, okay, but actually they were doing them better. They were doing them in a way I hadn't thought of. So when we then go and say, right, we're going to have a discussion and it's in such a way that you're losing half of the room because they are more introverted. Um, And introversion has nothing to do with social confidence. It's got to do with the way that you get energy from. Introverts like to spend time reflecting. So if you're somebody who's like, right, let's make a decision really quickly, you lose that and you lose that talent and knowledge. And we all know, in particular in small businesses, you need to get the most out of your the the most expensive resource, which are your people. But also they'll stay with you more because they'll be more committed to the outcome if they are more involved. So it doesn't become, you know, Rebecca's process. It becomes my process that I help to develop. So I think that's really, really important, this kind of idea of distributed control. You know, I I read a book, um, I can't remember who wrote it, but this guy was talking about me being an immunologist. It really resonated. Imagine your immune system. You've got lots of immune cells. You don't have like a queen bee immune cell because if you did and that got attacked, the whole system would go. You have many, many heart muscle cells. You've got many, many brain cells so that we are more resilient. So if in your business you have distributed control, all of these external threats or indeed internal threats, you're going to be so much more resilient. So any way we can get that out of our people, the better. We certainly work that way. Um, You know, as I say, like we started off with the control freak way and then like, you know, eventually now we've got to the stage whereby, I don't know, someone comes and says like, oh, this is this is a problem, uh, expecting me to have the answer. And I'll say like, I don't know. Yeah. Just over it, you figure it out. Like, yeah. So, um, and that works that works brilliantly. I mean, obviously, you, you want some direction in where the company's going, mm. but the problems can be solved by these people. And I, th- I think when, from my experience, when you do that with people, they actually take the whole thing a bit more seriously anyway because yeah. they go, oh, okay, um, well, I was, was going to suggest this, but now it's down to me. I'm going to have another think about that yeah. and uh, come up with a better solution. And sometimes it's a solution that... Um, you wouldn't have necessarily decided that you was the right thing to do, but it doesn't matter. It happened. Yeah. You know. So, so wh- where do you see then um, for companies that do that Lego exercise and they start to understand that, but they still have someone at the helm who is struggling to kind of let go of that? Like they've got just people that do tasks for them rather than let, letting those people be empowered. Is there something that happens that allows those leaders to kind of? see the light and allow a bit more free reign, do you think? Or Yeah, I think, I think we always, need, as leaders, we always need to start with a, a great deal of self-awareness and empathy, understanding what our drivers are, understanding are we somebody who actually finds it really difficult to relinquish control? Are we somebody who sees things very logically, whereas maybe many of our staff see things more from a kind of a values and feeling perspective? So I would say that as a complete foundation, all leaders, especially entrepreneurs who maybe have found themselves to be leaders when they never really, you know, they were inventors to start off with or, you know, idea folks to start off with. I want to uh, dig into more uh, detail about that, but we have to go to a break, so don't go away. 
Okay, welcome back. So before the break, uh, we were just talking about how leaders can maybe try to empower their teams a bit more. Mm -hmm. A lot of my clients work in the estate agency sector. Mm -hmm. So they're small teams. The kind of saying of, if you want something right, do it yourself, mm -hmm. um, kind of lives quite healthily in that sector, um, whereby a lot of owners, they, they've got staff that they obviously like because they employed them. But at the same time, they sort of feel like, yeah, but they, they won't be able to do mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that only I can do. Mm -hmm. So then uh, they end up not relinquishing any power to these people and it doesn't go anywhere. So is there uh, any sort of uh, uh, methodology or anything that you've seen, any, mm -hmm. any traits you've seen that help an owner to kind of get past that and see that actually there's some people in their team that could give them ideas that they would think like, whoa, why didn't I ever think of that stuff? What I did last year is I spent about eight months mapping out these successes and these failures. And I took each of the actions that myself and my team had done and put them into buckets. And no matter what role I went, looked at from senior big pharma down to small consultancy, the same thing happened. When the final block went in, that's what worked. And it all came down to these, what I call five pillars. So culture, scope, structure, staff, and process. So culture, first and foremost, set the direction. That's your job as a leader, as a business owner, set the direction. And I say, you know, even if you've got a team of one other person, every, you and that person need to know where you're going. What is your reason for being? What is your differentiating factor from the market? If you're in big business, what is your differentiating factor from the other teams? Set that, set the, the purpose and, and everybody knows on the right track. Then scope. Are you and your team members clear on what's the remit of their roles? And I call it scope paralysis. Now imagine you and I are going through a door and I say, after you, and you say, no, after you. And then we both look at each other and no one goes through the door because we're neither of us is sure. That's what it's like when you're not clear on the scope of your role. So if you're a very junior apprentice coming in and it hasn't been mapped out, you can't just jump straight in. If you're a very senior person, you worry about stepping on toes or even worse, leaving gaping chasms between you and your colleagues. So once you know where you're going, you know what your job is, then you need to set the right structure. Now, the structure can be in an org chart. It doesn't need to be. It can be a mindset. So do you have subject matter experts? If you've got a team of five, who's the subject matter expert for one particular client base or one particular process? Then staff development. When we talk about staff development, we think about training people. And absolutely training is necessary. But you also need to look at building their confidence. Now, you can plot skills and confidence on a plot and you can see where somebody's got high training they know exactly what they're doing but they're not confident they need to have a safe environment to practice so you need to be there in the background helping to catch them if they fall but letting them kind of test and try if they've got high confidence but low skill then you would train them so it's important to understand the difference between those and once you get that right where people know where they're going they know their role they've got the right empowerment in the structure to do that and they've got the confidence and skill they will develop the most amazing processes that you as a business owner wouldn't have seen. Because one of the biggest assets a business owner has is new people and people who come in from different perspectives. Even if you've got a school leaver, they will see something that you won't see because you can't see the wood for the trees. So it's so important to have that 
but also when you do have that, to step back. Because the one thing, if you want to knock somebody's confidence, is micromanage them. Because if I'm happily doing a task and then you suddenly micromanage me, I'll think, oh, he thinks I can't do it myself. Then I'll stop, I'll lose my confidence, I'll stop training because you're going to tell me how to do it anyway, and all of a sudden you end up back where you were when you started, low confidence, low skill. And it can be quite a, meth a, a, a systematic way of doing things where you can literally tick through have I set direction? Have I made everything clear? Does everybody have the right empowerment and they know where the, the, the boundaries are there? Have I developed everyone? Am I giving them chance to test? And let them go then. You're always there to have the overseeing eye. Because like we said earlier, with distributed control, you need that. Because if you're not there, if you are away, if you're with another client, or if you're you know, unwell, you need to have that strength and that continued control in your business. Oh, I love that. Uh, so um, would you say that there's a... Uh, a certain amount of time that you you need to check back in with those people and, and re-evaluate re those five things or, or, you know, because you could sit down with your team today and you could go through those things and everybody could be perfectly clear and then, you know, new people come on and you, you tell them, but after a while it all gets a bit muddy doesn't it yes, so absolutely and that is fundamental you know we spend a lot of time doing annual appraisals of our staff members but do we do annual appraisals of our teams or of our businesses so i would say once you set this up you can then use that as a template to do an audit every six months or every 12 months to say are we still on track is our vision still fit for purpose are we all still aligned do, is everybody clear and to have that when i'm called in um from businesses who are sometimes it's businesses who are growing but sometimes it's businesses that have a problem and i say if you're going to get me in and then not do anything about it afterwards don't get me in in the first place because if it feels like a tick box exercise if people feel like oh right he thinks he's set it all up and then you don't revisit it that is more disengaging and demotivating than doing nothing in the first place mm -hmm. so absolutely and it can again it can be something that an operations person can do an office manager can do can just keep you on track doing that continuous review so that as you grow or as you scale, you're able to kind of keep that culture and keep that clarity for everybody. How do you keep the, um, you know, the energy that you spoke about? Um, I can imagine like uh, you do the, you do maybe the Lego uh, exercise, and there's great energy around it, and you create the, the scope and and the culture and all of this stuff. Everybody's quite clear on it. Everybody's fired up and ready to go. And I can imagine in six months' time, like you say, like, right, it's time to revisit that. And people are like, right, okay. And yet we're all still pretty clear. And then I can imagine six months after that, people are like, oh, I'll revisit it again. Mm. You know, like, how, do you, how do you keep that uh, enthusiasm where people don't just think like, I've got stuff to do. It's the same as it was six months ago. <laughs> well, the, the, this kind of assessment doesn't need to be right. Everyone down tools, let's do it. It can be, okay, how are we getting on? Are we still there? Having this open discussion. You know, when I um, do these Lego series play workshops, at the end, I kind of draw back the curtains and say, right, what did we do today? And people say, oh, you know, we looked at our vision or we looked at our mission or we looked at our strategy. And I said, yeah, but what else did we do? And I said, every moment that you sat down, these are the entrepreneurial behaviors that we were instilling. Momentum, decisiveness, honesty, bravery, celebration of diversity of thoughts, diversity of approach. And I say, let's remember these. So you can keep certain behaviors that you as a team are committed to, to displaying. And you can do lots of different exercises. So one exercise that I often ask people to do after my workshops when we're looking at positive team behaviors is I'll set them a task that they have to do a TEDx style talk to their 
team about a particular behavior. So let's say it's boldness, because then it's kind of looking in deep in that. It's doing something a little bit different, but it's not just, you know, saying words. It's actually got a little bit of meaning. You can set different activities throughout the year to do that. I'm really respectful that time is money and people don't have a lot of time. But again, if you are allowing people to kind of be clear and fly on their own, they're all going to be entrepreneurs in their own, in their own minds then. So if, you are, if you're a junior office member and you are responsible for X, you're go- you own that. And that is your thing. You report back in team meetings. That is going to keep you motivated much more than if you're telling that person, well, you need to keep the stationary, you need to do this, you need to do these calls, you need to keep customer service, whatever. So I think when you empower people, that does keep that energy. But also reminding people why we're doing this check. There needs to be transparency. If you explain to a team why you're doing this onward check, because you're scaling, these are your plans, or we want to stay the same size, but we want to you know, elevate in terms of our customer service, our place in the market and people are committed to that because they're involved in that discussion, that will drive that energy forward. Yeah, I agree. We certainly see that. Uh, We've lived through that sort of stuff as well. I'm sure we can improve on it, but um, absolutely right. Every single kind of uh, leader of of each department, as you say, is an entrepreneur Mm. in their own right. Mm. And so it's quite an empowering thing, I think, to think, I thought it was just a job. Actually, like, wow, I can be the best in the world at this. Yeah. If there's, a, if there's a business owner out there now, um, whether they're in a highly regulated industry or not, and they're sort of listening to this thinking like, oh, God, yeah, I've got this problem. Mm. You know, I, I'm, it's just me and, and a load of people mm. um, as opposed to like, you know, uh, we move like a team. Mm. Um, is there any sort of first steps that they can take? Because I know you've, you've gone through the methodology and people can, uh, they can listen to that back and they can sort of take it in, but is there a first kind of step? Is there some sort of, is there some sort of uh, self-reflection they need to do on their cells first? I mean, like, how, does, how do they start trying to figure this stuff out and moving from Mr. Control Freak, whereby you can't take a holiday, mm. to somebody whereby you come in and, and all of a sudden you look and it's like, wow, that process wasn't there when I, yeah. when I left yesterday. <laughs> I think raising self-awareness, and again, a lot of these words in kind of the, the uh, arena that I work in now are overused, self-awareness. It's, you know, but really understanding what makes you tick and being really honest with yourself as to, you know, am I a control freak or am I saying the words, but I need to, and then ask why, why do you need to? But also I think just getting your team together and having a discussion, you know, we often see in small businesses, you see those who built and those who joined and got a job. And there's often a lot of friction because people don't understand. So it might be not just the business owner, it might be the business owner and their, you know, their right-hand person that, you know, these people coming in and applying to get a job just don't understand them. Sitting down and talking about where the companies come from, talking about why the business was set up, where it's come from and where, where do we want to go together? Where can we feel we want to go together and start that discussion can very much be the first step. Saying things like, do you know what? I, I really want this company to be a success and I can't do it on my own. Can you do it with me? Sounds a bit cheesy, but that can be really, really a really great first step because then you've got people on board. They, they feel more part of something. You know, when I started at that consultancy as the third person, I had an idea that I went to the owners with and they trusted me. That changed the course of my career because it gave me that, actually, I can be trusted with having an idea. It really worked. It worked very well for the business, very well for me. 
but it was because I felt part of something. If that company needed me, if they called me now and asked for advice all these years later, I would help them because I still feel part of the fabric. I know the people who work there. I, I hired a lot of them because still that purpose is within me. And that's what you want in your business. You want people who are there to build it with you, whether they join at the beginning or a few years down the line. And I think nothing starts better than just having an open discussion and saying, I need your help. Do you think that as a business owner, you have to also get comfortable with the fact that uh, these people may leave one day, yeah. they may go on and do other things like you did with that company, mm. but if we treat them right and empower them, they'll always be our friend. They won't ever betray us. So if there's uh, people out there that are listening to this and uh, I don't know, they want to connect with you in some way, like what's the best way of them doing that? LinkedIn is my home. I'm trying on Instagram, but I'm not really doing that great on Instagram. I don't really understand it. <laughs> I'm a bit old for that. Um, but uh, LinkedIn, very much. Uh, yeah, you can find me, Rebecca Godfrey. On Brilliant. LinkedIn. Okay. Thanks very much for coming in. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you very much.